Hi, it's Mark Raven. Today is a bonus episode. In the middle of May, I'm going to be releasing a full episode with Professor Jonathan Burns. He's a senior lecturer at MIT. In that full episode, we're going to be talking about topics related to not just his favorite mistake, but his new book called Choose Your Customer, How to Compete Against the Digital Giants and Thrive. We also had a discussion about something that's really timely and relevant, so I wanted to bring it to you now as a bonus episode. I asked uh, Professor Burns about his expertise in supply chain management and his thoughts about uh, the vaccination rollout for COVID-19. So I wanted to go ahead and bring you this audio. Um, so one other thing I'd like to ask you about, you know, not really on the topic of the book, but I've seen uh, some things that you've written about uh, supply chain lessons or, or recommendations when it comes to vaccine distribution. I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you can kind of summarize, are there things that if, if you were in charge, magic wand uh, to improve the vaccine supply chain and the way this has been and is being rolled out, what would you do differently? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked me that. Um, it's something I've, I'm very passionate about because uh, I do a lot of healthcare work. And actually I wrote an article, as you noticed, in Modern Distribution Management um, on vaccine supply chains. But I did the original um, presentation on that for a friend of mine who runs the cardiology department at one of the big Boston hospitals. And he wanted to present this at Harvard Medical School. And, you know, and I think that there, there are two things that I'd say. Number one, distributing vaccines is not a medical issue. And having epidemiologists and doctors and, you know, as wonderful as they are, you know, figuring out how to distribute vaccines is nuts. You want to have somebody who's vice president of supply chain at McDonald's. Right. McDonald's is everywhere. They have, you know, perishable products. You know, they they have a complex supply chain. They have to be refrigerated. I mean, it looks like a vaccine. You know, so one thing was an argument that they that the district that and I tried placing this article in some medical journals, and they sort of said, you know, we have doctors doing this. <laughs> I sent it over to Modern Distribution Management, where you know Tom Gale runs it. You know, and basically I said to Tom, you know, we have to organize the distribution people, the supply chain people, to get involved because they're not going to ask for it. And you know, that's number one. Number two is that you can't you can't deal with a situation where you have five hundred fifty or six hundred thousand thousand. 600,000 people dying in a year as if you know you're you're sending bread to the supermarket you know well we're close on sunday because you know people the union doesn't like to work after four o'clock and you know blah 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 and trying to you know it should be like making munitions for world war ii you run the factory 24 hours a day you nationalize everything with the Production Act, you know, from raw material all the way to the clinics. You know, if they don't cooperate, you nationalize them. You know, the same way that in World War II, Ford converted its, its factories 
to produce aircraft. And they produced one a day, you know, and all the pro all the components went in and they're shoehorning what should be a completely flow through supply chain into a set of institutions where the doctors don't, you know, they don't work on Sunday. I mean, doctors work very hard. I mean, just to be really clear, but if you go into Mass General or Brigham, which are the two chief hospitals in Boston, on a Sunday, you know, other than an emergency, you're not going to see a doctor, you know, and you can't do that when thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are dying each month. And that was basically my argument that, you know, it's the wrong supply chain run by the wrong people. And it still is. And then to say, well, you know, we'll set up three centers in Massachusetts. And I got vaccinated at one of them, Fenway Park. And I'm very happy that they did that. They could have pushed 20, 20x times the number of people through there if it were run by real supply chain people. It's run by, you got me going, but it's run by event planners you know, who know how to lay out a convention. And they had no idea about people and flow and information. I mean, the whole thing was tremendously inefficient. And what about all the people in the neighborhoods? I mean, it should be like the good humor man, you know, going from neighborhood to neighborhood, particularly in the poor, in the less well-off areas where people don't have cars and they're not sophisticated. Many of them don't speak English. You know, you should pull up in, in a truck, you know, ring the bell. And somebody says, you know, my house. I mean, it's at 500 to 600,000 deaths. Isn't it worth it to do something like that? I, I mean, to me, as a supply chain person, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. I actually wrote a letter to the editor of the New York Times about that. And I had a very interesting set of responses. Uh, they published it, yeah. So I had a very, it was very brief. I just gave, you know, the, the, the nutshell. But I had a very interesting set of responses from supply chain people, you know, saying, my God, you know, absolutely right. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll look for that. I'll post a link uh, both to that article and to that letter in the show notes for the episode. I mean, what, what you're describing at Fenway was hampered, though, by pr production constraints. They could have put more people through, but they wouldn't. At that point, they didn't have the vaccine in hand. That's so right. we're getting we're getting past that now, it seems. Well, hopefully, I mean, we were up until this morning. Well, the J and J news was well. First off, the fifteen million doses lost, and then the concern here about doing the pause this is kind of a double whammy. Lots. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very deeply involved in the in a group called the North American Thrombosis Forum. It's run by my friend, who's the cardiologist at the Brigham. And, uh, you know, we've been deeply involved there. And I mean, they, they have people who are all over this sort of thing. I haven't heard from that organization that they think it's a problem. And they've got the top thrombosis doctors in the country as part of that. But, you know, that grew up in the factory, if you take a look at it, uh, as I understand it, that factory, you know, had been around for a number of years but they had never produced anything and it wasn't run by real factory people. Yeah, it was a just in case capacity the government was paying for. 
absolutely. And, you know, in Operation Warp Speed, which regardless of one's political views, and I know people feel strongly, I do, um, and they did some really great things. They got us the vaccines really quickly, but they also gave billions upon billions of dollars to companies with utterly no experience and, you know, on the production side. You know, it's like it's like the math graduate student who lives in Central Square. He wakes up in the middle of the night and he smells smoke and he goes into the kitchen. Have you heard this one? Okay, I'll tell you the Broadway supermarket joke after that. You haven't heard that. Uh, so he goes into the kitchen and he sees that there's a fire in the stove. And he looks over and he sees the tap and he sees a bucket. And he says a solution exists and he goes back to sleep. That's essentially that's essentially what they were doing. They said, you know, well, we got a vaccine. Now it's obvious, you know, distribute it. By the way, make it the responsibility of the states so that we don't get blamed. And in fact, everybody, you know, if you were in Massachusetts, you couldn't get near, um, you know, a working website. They should have done one website nationally. And you know, I can't believe that that half of the companies in the country don't have websites that do simple reservations. You know, I mean, it was really crazy. By the way, the Broadway supermarket joke is that this young undergraduate goes into uh, the Broadway supermarket, which is located really is between Harvard. He puts 11 items in his little shopping basket. He goes into the express lane for 10 or fewer items. And the Cambridge cashier looks at him and says, let me guess. Either you go to Harvard and you can't count, or you go to MIT and you, and you can't read. <laughs> For all of you listening, and that's an in joke. That's, that's a good one, and in that, yeah, you could probably tell you do a similar version of that joke in uh, different cities with different schools. But uh, that's a good Cambridge joke for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, there there are still big opportunities, and and there are some good cases where, uh, you know, I think of, like I had a chance to visit in suburban Dallas, uh, a mass vaccination site that's being, that was being uh, designed in partnership between the city of Frisco and Toyota, where Toyota had some of their top operations and supply chain coaches who work with Toyota suppliers and nonprofits. And that, that site was a well-oiled machine where they could do 4,000 vaccinations a day just within normal business hours. So to your point, Jonathan, they could have uh, more than double capacity by running longer hours, but they could only run two days a week because they they weren't getting enough vaccine. And the other supply chain challenge was uh, good luck knowing in advance or too far in advance how much is coming, which is a different operations planning challenge. But, you know, there there are good examples, but your point is well taken where, um, you know, people in medicine, as smart as they are, as dedicated as they are, they, they almost never have any sort of education around operations, whether that's the pharmacists running a pharmacy or doctors being responsible uh, for patient flow. So there's, there's good opportunities to, to learn from different disciplines, for sure. So absolutely right. We did a study in uh, one of the major Boston hospitals, trying to keep confidential of supply chain practices. And we calculated that with supply chain 101, or 15101, um, 
practices, we could get their supply chain costs down by over 60% and increase the service level. But it wasn't integrated and it wasn't, you know, being done. And they basically set their parameters in the replenishment system when they bought it and nobody ever bothered updating it. So it's all these very, very, very simple things. By the way, um, I would be astonished. I haven't done the study, but I'd be astonished if somebody nationalized the entire production process for vaccines, including the inputs, and brought on factory capacity from other vendors, whether they couldn't have ramped this up year, you know, months and months and months ago. But they're shoehorning a, a flow-through system into a highly fragmented into high set of institutions. And that's been the problem, I think. Right. And then you end up with these local supply and demand mismatches where, um, you know, friends back in Texas will point out the quickest way to get a vaccine is to drive to certain counties where there's political polarization and people aren't going out and then, and there's excess supply and you can get in right away. And then there are parts of uh, the cities or even Los Angeles where it's very much supply constraints. So to your point, Starbucks as a corporation knows, they absolutely know which locations are selling a ton of Frappuccinos and which are selling a lot of oat milk. And, and, and I'm sure that supply chain responds, not perfectly, they're out of stock of things, but they get the right material to the right place, I bet far more often than the vaccine system is right now. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, that's a real tragedy because people are dying. It's not just a matter of, you know, running out of frappuccinos. Right. Tragic though that is, you know, but. uh, Well, that's a different health issue drinking too many frappuccinos, but that's a different (laughs) conversation for a different, different specialist maybe. But yeah, it's not an academic exercise. No offense to academic exercises. This is real. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, you know, speaking out um, on on those topics and um, using your voice um, on on that important topic. Um, so, as, as we wrap up again, our guest has been um, Jonathan Burns, um, senior lecturer at MIT, among other uh, ventures. The company is called Profit Isle. He also has uh, Jonathan Burns and Company, and uh, the book, which is uh, released May 11th. Uh, it's called Choose Your Customer: How to Compete Against the Digital Giants and thrive. So um, Jonathan, thank you for being here. Your book is sold by one of those digital giants and uh, I hope you continue to thrive. Thank you very much, Mark. It's really a pleasure meeting you and I look forward to seeing you when you uh, get back to Cambridge. All right, same here, thanks. And thank you very much to everybody listening in.